hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, a weekly Utini podcast where we intentionally experience the Star Wars Expanded Universe together, one story at a time. I am one of your hosts, full of brilliant ideas that prevent us from having technical difficulties. And, you know, also, I'm a fan of Liverpool and they've been trash. Uh, that's me. I am here with Patrick McIntosh, a man who knows no bounds, knows no limits, but whose team is also kind of trash at the moment. How you doing, Patrick? Kind of trash, but just remember, we're better than you. Just that's, remember what happened last week. That is the important point, and I'm having deja vu. <laughs> See, Adam, remember, I got you. If they beat you, they can't beat us. Just remember that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that that man, Adam, that he just referenced and who just said, yep, is also one of our hosts, unfortunately. Adam Dyson, how are you? Still not good. I'm still not good. Just, <laughs> I'm still sad. In the last 15 minutes of technical issues, my sadness hasn't gone away. And I'm just going to sit here and be sad about it. It is just consistently amplified. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we have... You're a friend of mine. Patrick, you are a friend of mine. We've got friends of ours in the chat with us um, who bless them for sticking with us through all of the technical difficulties we had for the last like 28 minutes um we've got alexander and Cadbin and juliana um here with us thank you guys for sticking it out and however else the rest of you are listening to us whether you jump in here live um, or you're listening to us on patreon we are so glad to have you here we are live in Discord every Saturday around 4 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes hit the Utini Patreon feed every Tuesday around midnight. If you can't catch us live, make sure to send us a message. Uh, we want to make sure to get your thoughts on the air, which to that end, we also have, uh, we just unleashed a brand new Goodreads account. So we have a group on Goodreads, um, you know, that book tracking site. If you go there, um, we've got a link uh, pinned in our Conjure Book Club chat. Make sure to go check it out um, and yeah, join us. We're hoping to have some fun things there, some group posts, some discussions. I don't know, maybe some trivia. We'll see. Uh, but make sure you go and join that. We do have some other updates. Um, Adam, what's going on in the Discord? Uh, so for the Discord, we brought on a new moderator. You probably saw him floating around, Jacob, or formerly known as Spice Den. Yeah, Pretty active on the server before he became a moderator. So it was just a natural progression for him to then be able to lay down that band hammer so i'd like to welcome jacob he he jumped in quick here on the podcast he did he, like, jumped, oh. he jumped in real quick on that band hammer i don't even know that emma has been able to use hers yet <laughs> she's been waiting for her chance but you know uh, no, sometimes you just thing. gotta take your shots and just you know use your weapons just do what I do. I get bored sometimes. I just ban someone. There's 800 members. You, someone else you, will take his place. You put out a blanket <laughs> ban against someone who doesn't even belong to our Discord today. <laughs> yes, he yeah. was bored. I did what I had to do. That's it. I'm just preempting mm -hmm. a minority report. Tom cruising it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that's that. Not because I, it's not because I'm incredibly sad of, of, about football. Mm. Because I'm just preempting preempting trouble. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we also have a community survey that's out and about. Uh, do you want to talk about it a little bit, Adam? Yeah, for sure. So we have a Utini community website survey floating around. You probably got pinged by the Discord server if you follow it. 
follow us here at Utini on Twitter, you would have seen a tweet about it. If you're a patron, you would have seen a patron update about it. So basically, if you can click on that link, just follow a few simple questions. It should only take you about two minutes. Most of it is multiple choice, just talking about your experiences with Utini and the website. And at the end, put your email in and you'll be entered into a draw to win some sweet Utini merch designed by none other than Jose himself. I think it was, what, a mug, stickers, and a shirt? Maybe, Anything something might like be that. Wrong, but I'm pretty all, sure it's a bigger... All I know just is remember, that it's going to be it, approximately $40. So that's worth ooh, it. Ooh. And it's also all recorded for quality assurance purposes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if you, if, you want, if, you, if you want some free stuff, and everybody loves free stuff... Everybody loves free stuff. Yep, and you got to be at least at least eighteen years old to participate in the giveaway aspect of it, um, or because you know I don't know fifty five plus minus forty whatever that meant that was a whole thing there for a bit. <laughs> Love you guys, uh, but yeah, make sure to jump in on that. Get you some free stuff. Um, support, show your Utini love, um, and definitely help us to make a better product for you all in all, Adam. And let's not forget the High Republic competition as well. Yeah. The We Art the Republic. So just yep. you guys have probably seen tweets, patron updates, uh, server pings about that one too. So if you're creatively inclined, unlike me, um, you just have to jump onto Twitter, follow Utini, draw your favorite High Republic Jedi, and use the hashtag We Art the Republic. Yep. Yep, we art all the republic. It is so good. Some incredible yeah, stuff has been has <laughs> incredible stuff has been coming in. Um I saw mm. some some pretty neat uh, Stellan Geos art, I believe. Um there was uh, yep. Stephanie um who's really active over on our Legends Look Back um YouTube videos and stuff like that. She did an incredible painting or drawing of um why does it Avar Chris? It was really good. Um I'm super impressed by the talent that we have in here. So um, definitely jump on that. Very glad to have y'all. Uh, the only other thing that I think we ought to talk about, well, one, I think the biggest news that we heard today, and some of you may have seen it on Twitter, y'all, our very own friend, Meg freaking Dowell, um, has some words written on a Star Wars book. How cool is that? Um, she has this really awesome, basically a paragraph of her love for Claudia Gray, um, written on the back of like the official, like press release, uh, written on the back of, uh, into the dark by Claudia Gray, which is just super cool. So how awesome is it that we have someone from our very own community, um, our staff that <clears throat> is on the back of a star war. <laughs> like I was, I was losing my mind when I found that out today. So freaking cool. Um, next, we just need to talk her to actually talk her into writing a Star Wars. Um, I think that's the only <laughs> way to level up. <laughs> so it has to be a Star Wars, not a Star Wars, a Star Wars. Yes, a Star I've, War. I have a feeling. I have a feeling it'd be some kind of canon novel, and Bo-Katan and Phasma somehow met somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it would have to be. It would have to be. Um, I, so I mean, it's not impossible. I would read all of that book. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hundred uh, percent. So if you go in and, and you see Meg somewhere in the Discord, definitely um, you know shout her out, give her um, some congratulations on that because that's that's super cool. That's something that doesn't happen every day, um, and I, we're all gonna remember that for a really really long time. So she made it. She's going to Hollywood. Hollywood swinging. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, all right. Before we get into talking about the ending of light of the Jedi, because I don't know, that's why we're here, I guess. Um, I do want to make a quick mention to our book schedule. 
Next week, we are beginning Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, and we are going to be joined by none other than Cheryl Bell herself, um, Jedi High Council patron, um, absolute fan, lover of all things Thrawn and Zahn. I'm super excited to have her joining us. She'll be here every week in March, or sorry, in February. I almost said March, getting ahead of myself. She'll be here every week in February. Very excited for that. And then in March, we're going to be talking about Alexander Freed's Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price, the third book in his trilogy. Um, we had a quick excerpt that was released yesterday, a couple days ago, um, whenever you're listening to this, and it's so good. Um, so make sure if you um, have not already pre-ordered that to go and do so. And then you got a week to get Heir to the Empire um, in, so make sure to get that as well. Um, let's get into it. Um, summary of chapters, y'all, if you have not read this yet, spoiler heavy territory, um, make sure to, I don't know, take a breather, finish it up if you haven't read it yet. Uh, cause we're going to get all into the goodness and I can't tell if Patrick stubbed his toe or if he's crying at the ending or if he's just really cold. What's going on over there, bud? I just had a random back pain. I just realized how older I'm getting. Oh. I just like tried to adjust my seat and oh something something popped <laughs> no that's not good um, lordy man. i'm old <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting old is really tough all right well let's get into this um yeah let's go so reviewing the footage recovered from the legacies runs flight recorder chancellor so tasks her makeshift committee to stop this from ever happening again the nile may be small time but it's pretty easy to go from marauder to terrorist meanwhile the tempest runners are unsettled Roe strikes Kassav in the face, cuts off his hand in epic Star Wars fashion, and takes over leadership decisively. Above, above Elfrona, the Nile ship containing the kidnapped family tosses Balin out of an airlock, and it is up to Bell, who had previously failed to learn how to jump from high distances and survive, to save her. He uses the Force to jump from his ship and catch the little girl, landing with her safely on the ground below. Loden Great Storm continues to chase the Nile. Jedi Master Jorah Mali on board the Ataraxia hollows in for a council meeting to discuss Jedi involvement in response to the Nile. With the decision in her hands due to a 5-5 council split, she decides to bring more light to the galaxy and take them on. Kassav and his Tempest Runners, or Kassav, sorry, and his Tempest Runners get into a space battle with a Republic cruiser near the Kerr Nebula with little chance of escape unless he can get a pathway sent to him by Marshawn Rowe. He soon realizes Roe led them into a trap, and Roe uses the opportunity to destroy the Republic cruiser and make the Republic believe they've destroyed the Nile, although they've really only destroyed Kassav and his Tempest. Back on Elfrona, Loden and Indira are able to catch up to the Nile and rescue Balin's brother, but when they try to save Otto, the dad, Lorna D shows up to intercept them and takes Loden and Otto as prisoners. Lorna D discovers that Marsha Roe has been orchestrating every one of their failures to bring the Nile under his control. She watches as Roe kills Otto with um, Loden's lightsaber, and he tells her that he orchestrated the Elfrona kidnapping not to bring the family to him, but a Jedi, because he knew there was a Jedi outpost on Elfrona. He says, a Jedi is just what I need. Chancellor Slow uh, reflects on the events, deciding to open the Starlight Beacon on time, but she considers whether the Nile threat is actually over. In no space, Marsha and Roe rallies the Nile together, encouraging them with a future of destroying the Republic because of Kassav's sacrifice and making the Republic believe the threat is over. After Marsha and Roe visits a room with eight cells, seven of which are occupied with prisoners who are tortured by period shocks, uh, periodic shocks from his ship's electrical systems, the pain they feel is designed to cut off the eighth prisoner, Loden Greatstorm, from the Force. 
Marshawn Rowe reveals that he was behind the legacy run and that he used the Nile as a tool to get to the Jedi. At the ceremony celebrating the opening of the Starlight Beacon, Chancellor So gives a speech about the space station, bringing safety to the Outer Rim. Avar Chris and Elzar Man, who has just been named a Jedi Master, walk along together as friends. Avar leaves Elzar, and Elzar is plagued by an awful vision of the Jedi screaming and being slaughtered. Patrick, give me your thoughts on everything that we read this week. With my jaw on the floor, and I had to, you know, use my phone's flashlight to find it and pick it up because that blew my mind and left my jaw on the floor. Yeah, uh, there was, <laughs> it was an absolutely wild ending that I I didn't see any of that coming down the way that it did at all. They also did a great job with putting a main antagonist. They didn't give him. They didn't give him the forefront. The uh, not forefront, but the you know the spotlight up front. Yes, and they weaved him in so perfectly, and his cunning and his machinations, like it was just peeled back after chapter after chapter after chapter, and they did a great job of just hiding it and weaving it in there until we fully get to see of how crafty and evil this guy really is. Yeah, because it it really doesn't doesn't hit you until I don't know the last three or four chapters. Oh, this is a bad dude. This is a really bad dude. <laughs> yeah, you think some random, you know, outer rim thug at some point is just, well, they'll, they'll catch up to him. They'll handle him. All right, and next story, maybe a few of them escape and cause trouble later on, but, you know, on to the next story. No, 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 sir. He's a yeah. bad man. Yeah, this was a whole nother, whole nother level. Um, Adam, what did you think about this ending of chapters? Uh, for me, it was just mind-blowing that throughout this whole story we look at Martian Rowe and for me like he hadn't hit top tier villain yet like he he seemed to be that quiet kid in the corner um kind of figuring it all out he's got the intellect to, to do some nasty things but you never really see it and then just bam this whole torture set, set up in his ship just took me by complete surprise and the idea of using the pain of innocence of any age really just just to keep a Jedi down was just pure evil. Yeah. Well, and you know, I will, we'll probably talk about this eventually too, but the, I remember in a lot of the, the buildup to the high Republic that it was Kevin Scott who kind of, um, kind of gave the, the statement or the question of what would drive this whole series. And it's like, what, what is it that the Jedi fear? Um, or, you know, what is it that would make them kind of scared or whatever? And it's at the end of the day, it's it's fear. <laughs> they're they're kind of like like Green Lanterns in a sense versus Yellow Lanterns for all you DC fans out there. Um, you know, it's like that is that is honestly what's going to bring the Jedi to their knees. And to see what happens at the end and the buildup of you know Marshawn Rowe, he is fearful. <laughs> um, like I am terrified of this man. Um, but you know, we have three really main I think plots that are going on. Uh, especially towards the end of this, right? We have his power grab um, and takeover. We've got this daring rescue attempt um, that's happening on and above Elfrona. And then we have everything that's happening at the Starlight Beacon and what is to come. Um, Adam, of these three, what was, which one had you more captive, I guess, or were they all pretty equal? Uh, for me, they were all pretty equal. I think that just goes to Charles Sewell's writing that at the end of the day, we want to know more about literally everything 
<laughs> yeah. We want to. We, we want the story to continue in every way possible. There was nothing that really, really jumped out to me um, that I particularly need to see. It's just I want to see it all. I want to see how far Marshawn Rowe is willing to go. I need more of this vision from Elzar Man, and even that, like Elzar Man, has been this cool cat this whole story, and to, he's the character that's given this vision. I think mm. it was a great touch. I look at someone like Avar Chris and probably more suited to to possibly be given a vision by the Force, but no, like the Force spoke to the coolest kid in the Jedi Temple, and I thought that was just a great touch. There's there's a lot of goodness that can come from that as well, um, and there there are quite a few connections that, that I think we'll talk about, and we've already kind of mentioned in the past episodes about like Dooku Jedi Lost, for instance, um, you know the Jedi don't really shine too well on prophecies. Um, in fact, they have, we learned in Dooku Jedi Lost, like they have a, a like a, a, a psych ward basically for people who have visions and have, you know, prophecies like this. So yeah, to see the coolest kid in the block um, have one of these, like it, it'll be really interesting to see where he goes with it and what comes next. Um, Patrick, how about you? Of, of these three, did anyone in particular stick out to you? Or were they all uh, pretty level to you? Actually, I did like the um, Martian, his power grab, his takeover, and just like, you know, like I said earlier, peeling back those layers of his plans and seeing his true, his true nastiness in full throttle. And just the ways he would step at nothing to continue out his plans. Yeah, uh, the, I think the most savage line in, in probably the whole book, right, is right after he cuts off Kasav's hand, he, they go and they have that, that giant discussion or whatever. Then they all go and turn and leave. And he just kind of looks at him. He's like, oh, hey, Kasav, don't forget your hand. It's like, whoa. And like, That's like the he, gangster line ever. Oh, my gosh. Right? Because I, I can imagine him saying that like a little smirk on his face, like almost a dad joke smirk. But, you know sociopathic because you just he's, kinda hit, do tan he's, dog. he's got his oh. hands on his hips and he's just kind of like throwing his head back a little bit like hey don't don't, don't forget your hand it's and he just right points it where i cut it and off. he does that little thing where he like you know how he nods to it on the floor just yeah right there yeah just, it, yeah it's yeah. that one <laughs> yeah that one that, that hand absolutely that absolutely savage um really excited to see how future books can really flesh that out a bit um, also the ending scenes with him and Loden Greatstorm were absolutely incredible. Um, and the fact that those cells are meant to keep Jedi in particular from being able to have strength and to be powerful. Um, Adam, how did that hit you? Unfortunately, I think it is just what the perfect weapon, right? For a Jedi is yeah. that they're so centered that their own pain will not cause them to fall as Martian Rove probably wants it, but he knows that the pain of others being so close and so constant and, you know, Loden's going to sit there and know that those people are only there for him. They wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. So that would just cause just utter heartbreak for him. Like, I, I think at that point for Loden, he's probably would welcome, like, becoming one with the Force at that point, just knowing that he would then stop the pain of the innocence next to him. Yeah. Well, and that kind of goes to something that bell learns, <clears throat> you know, we're about to get into it, but 
the quote that he gives as he's falling, you know, with Balin with him that, um, you know, it's not about saving yourself. You know, it, the, the force isn't about how to save yourself and how to keep yourself from dying. It's about how to save others and how to help others. Um, and yeah, I think that that that's just horrifying that Loden in that moment is probably trying to figure out like he can't do anything because he can't save the people next to him. And that's throwing him off. That's a, a really, really strong, powerful point, I think. So let's let's talk about that Elfrona attempt. Um, we saw Loden Greatstorm get to be a beast, but let's talk about Bell falling and the fact that he did learn all of this. Um, Adam, was that an especially cool? Well, Patrick, you look like you were about to, to shout something to the world. That boy's clutch. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, he basically, yeah, basically hopped out, hopped out the, uh, I just lost the name of it now. Dang it. Their little ship. Uh, but yeah, basically hopped out, grabbed her. The vector? Y- yes. Uh, yelled Kobe and held on to that girl and was like, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> um, I don't know, Patrick, since, since we're talking, how did, was that everything you expected from Bell? Um, and how cool was that to see him kind of become a Jedi? Man, he was 0 for 2 from the field going on this one. And man, he nailed it. He nailed it. He, he, he really felt what he had to, he had to do. And I love how the description of him communing with the Force on the way down. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it word for word exactly, because, you know, when you get old, things, you know, they leave your mind. I'm not sharp as I used to be. <laughs> but, no, just that description of him connecting to the Force floating down. And it's like you can feel the pride in, like, in a lone race. I'm like, yeah. My boy got it. He's done it. He's growing into a fun young man. <laughs> yeah, that was a really cool moment to see, you know, right after he, he gets down there and, you know, they're checking in and he's like, uh, Bell, you there? And, and he's like, yeah, dude. Or, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally here. And I, I totally saved the girl. And uh, then Loden's like, hey, you're going to be a Jedi Knight. Like, you're no longer my Padawan. And you heard that, right, Indira? Like, that was such a cool, a cool moment. Um, Adam, what did you think about that whole scene and, and seeing Bell really jump into being this knight when he had no choice? Um, and do you think that maybe, I don't know, do you think that's what it takes sometimes, um, to not like practice won't do it, um, because you've got to be forced into it. Yeah, most definitely for me to be knighted, like they have their trials and it's all very formalized. But like, I really do love is these types of stories where a Padawan will do something completely unexpected and then boom, you're knighted because you've just saved a planet or saved someone. Like I loved it. And to be, to kind of join in with, with Bell's story throughout the whole book and the whole book is he falls and he can't stop falling. Yeah. Um, where he then has to figure that out all by himself to save this little girl and he does and it's, and it's perfect. Um, and, and the idea that Loden is telling him, no, you are a Jedi Knight, you know, the, the old, you'll call, like, it wasn't there, but for me, it's, you can call me Loden now, you don't have to call me Master. Yeah. And it just made it more sad to know that Loden then gets captured and, and how that affects Bell at the end, and I think we'll probably talk about it, but how Bell is actually basically going to refuse to be knighted until Loden's there next to him doing it for him. Yeah. So, and that he's just not willing to accept that Loden is gone forever and he's going to use his knighthood as a way of 
motivating himself to get him back. I think this this particular moment echoed for me. Well, there's two things in this that I kind of want to mention. And, and this one is um, Obi-Wan's concern that we read about in the Age of Republic um, Heroes episode, where Obi-Wan talks about some of his hesitancy to training um, Anakin was in that he felt like, if I couldn't save my master, how am I going to be able to save a Padawan? Um, there was very much that kind of grief, um, you know, kind of growing into adulthood set that I, I think he was kind of wrestling with. And I could see that here with, with, with Bell being like, I no, like I, I'm going to wait until my master's here. Like I'm going to make sure that he's good first before I step into this, this new, this new thing, um, this new responsibility. But also, you know, I really have to commend so far, every single one of the High Republic books, um, I, I just started Into the Dark. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. Um, and all of these books just lean into grief um, in a way that I, I don't know that I have seen a, or read a Star Wars book yet. Um, and Adam, I wanted I wanted to see you know you kind of speak to this a little bit. One, if you notice that, um, you know, especially here with the, I mean, we open the book with people dying and trying to work through it. And here at the end of the book, we're still working with, with people who are separated and, and trying to figure it out. A test of courage was all about a different kind of grief. Um, why do you think this is, I guess, in the High Republic? Uh, why do you think that it was so strong? And do you find it to be super relevant right now? I do, and it kind of leads into the point I was going to make of when we were getting marketing for this whole era and it was the Knights of the Round Table and all that kind of light, 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 light. And, you know, part for me personally, I was like, ooh, I was a little worried. I will admit it. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. I'd love that, but I, I do want to see the human element still, to use that particular term for a bunch of different species. And, I, and like, I feel like they've tricked me because I'm getting exactly what I wanted and like if they if if bell was to follow the jedi teachings to to the letter he would accept his knighthood and be done with it yeah he would accept that loden is gone and he would banish those negative emotions of grief and, and fear and just longing for his master who really is his father at that point and just accept his knighthood but he can't do it he 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 just cannot accept it he needs him back, and it's probably going to – I'm hoping to see it's going to eat him up, and he's going to need Loden. And just another example of just the subtlety of the authors and, and just what they're trying to convey is this that even then, even during this high republic, literal – like just the, the top of the republic, everything's perfect, um, that the Jedi still had their flaws and they still had their compassion and their love. Um, and this is just another example for me, the idea that Bell can't let it go. Yeah. Can't let his grief go and just accept what's happened. Yeah, there's there's something to me that we're getting all of this too in the midst of a pandemic that is literally destroying, you know, thousands of people's lives in some way, shape, or form too. That even in the midst of, you know, a disaster, that we can still find some kind of hope that there's something to still you know, we can still find things to get us to push forward and, and keep going with. And I think I think that's really neat that we that we were able to do that. I don't know that, that this happened at this particular time. Um, not that it was necessarily planned. I don't know. Maybe it kind of was in a way because this was supposed to be, re, you know, 
supposed to come out in this last summer, I guess, um, several months ago. But to kind of be on this side of it, um, it's very interesting. Patrick, how do or oh, Adam, continue. Sorry. Yeah, I'll let you go. I was just going to say, there are like, like you can see it a lot with the younger characters. I think they have this attachment to their masters, like a, like a parent, and rightfully so. But there are like little bits of the of the masters as well. When Loden's in in Bell's ship, and he's like thinking, he has that little monologue about how Bell named the ship Nova, and he, th- yeah. and he thinks about Ember. Like even these masters who should have moved away from this already, like it's still in their mindset. Like these little things of, of love and and attachment and all those kind of good emotions, I, w- I, I guess. Yeah, Patrick, do you have anything you want to add to this? No, I just lost my thought. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, and we can we can circle back to it. Um, you know, I do want to talk about some of the characters that we've had, um, just because I think some of them. I think they're going to build to something greater. Um, and there are some connections to, to be made, I think. But um, the first one I want to point out is, did y'all know, or did y'all have a, a sneaking suspicion that uh, Jenny Wataro, who is uh, Senator Nora's aide, did, did you know that she was going to be Martian Rose spy? Did you catch this? And did you catch what species she was? Anybody? She, Chagrin. Yeah. I did not. The spy part is And and I'm trying to be I'm trying to be, to be careful type. I'm trying to be careful to not say that. Um, but you know it's just one I'll of those things. It. I was We're like, yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, she's 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 a a Shagrian and uh, yeah, Masa uh, Meda anyone? And I was like, I need to watch out for this person, and that's a hundred percent what happened. Blew my mind. It just. And it's, 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 it's one of those stereotypes that now it just automatically clicks, right? Because of Masamater and everything that he was and everything that he did. And you're like, oh, Charles. <laughs> yep. But it's just, it's just right there. Um, I, I can't wait to see what that's going to build into uh, because nobody knows. I'm just, I'm just floored. I was floored when I saw that. I was floored when it was confirmed. I'm so excited. I love political thrillers for anyone that hasn't known that about me yet. And I just give, give me more of this. <laughs> and, and I, and, and I think it's like the perfect addition as well, because, you know, Chancellor So like, she's so, like, she's the perfect chancellor and it's hard to think of something that would bring her down from the outside, but to know that there is someone close by feeding the Nile information, like the only way she falls is to fall from the inside. For me, isn't that, that's how I isn't see that it. Isn't that part of the course for yeah. this universe? Is it never yeah. dies from from with outside pressure, but yeah. that one that one crack on the inside, it just gets chipped away at until boom, the whole thing crumbles. Exactly, and it's it's used in so many stories, and it's used so well, and I think they've brought her up to such a high pedestal that even with Marsha and Roe the way he is, I just, it's hard to see him bringing her down, but I can see like those cracks, as you said, Patrick, just opening so wide. She just falls through without knowing. Well, and you know, the Avar makes a, a brief mention, right. Of how, um, like she was glad to be going away, like to, to help fight, you know, on board the Ataraxia or whatever, like, like she was glad to be away from the power of, so like that, she is just this determined, even if she seems super nice and super fine, like Avar's like, I'm glad to be away from someone with this kind of power. I feel like that's got to be leaving some breadcrumbs to something much bigger to come, uh, you know, in, in the next couple of books. Uh, this is going to unfold in a really powerful way, I think. 
also it goes really well for the times that we're in with this because it shows they really don't like being in the political machinations, um, much to the contrast of the prequel area where, you know, they're having roundtable meetings with the chancellor and they're frequenting the Senate building every other week. Yeah. Well, and that's something I think that that bleeds into my next point. You know, we get um, another character who I think I kind of want to start using, you know, some of these characters to talk about these larger plot points, but we've got, you know, Jorah Mali, who is, you know, hollow conferencing in, she's FaceTiming the Jedi council um, to try to, to give a vote on whether or not they go and they fight the Nile. And she has this comment about how, you know, getting caught up in endless debates about what the force might, might actually want. Like that's a paralyzing thing and it's a waste of time. And, and, I think it's really interesting that we still see the Jedi council so split um, in, in this particular moment and that it takes, you know, one person to really throw the, throw the deciding factor in um, Patrick. What did you think about, about her comments here? So, well, I thought it was one, it was very uh, reflective of, you know, our own political situation of how we debate, like, you know, are often our own, our own government can be, deadlocked in pointless debates that's paralyzing and doesn't actually do anything but it also brought up to me the bigger question yeah what is a jedi a warrior or a peacekeeper mm. and i will say this i think i've i'm on board with the warrior side okay i think i i, I lean on the the peacekeeper side but i could see where there's very much a, a chance to do something um, Alexander, you know, threw a quote up uh, in the Discord. You know, Jormali had missed many votes in the past. While she took her role seriously, she be- she generally believed she could serve the light more effectively out in the galaxy than sitting in the Jedi Temple. Um, and she definitely wants to just get it over with. <laughs> um, she's like, I know I can bring light in this particular way. But even still, I feel like she has the sense that while she's out there on board the Ataraxia, she's not just going to hop in her vector and go and blow stuff up until it's time to do so. So there's still some restraint, I think. I don't know. Adam, do you have any thoughts? For me, this is uh, her character and her character arc and how it ended was like the one time in this story that I was like, child, I don't like you anymore. How dare you take her away from us? (laughs) Yep. And, 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 you know, she's probably picked for that very reason. And the discussion that we're having is that she has – she makes you think in this way and naturally she goes and then the council is lesser for her absence. And mm. I think that is – for me, that is why she was taken away in the first place, that we think about this and um, that the council is then – it's handicapped. Like she was their conscience in a way. Now she's gone. Yeah. F's in the chat for Jerome Ali, please. <laughs> oh, yes. Definitely. Great, now we're stuck with Yoda. Definite F's in the chat for, for Jorah. <laughs> uh, so, now, Patrick, yeah, what, what what's your thought on this? Now we're stuck with freaking Yoda. I don't want to hear some <laughs> uppity self-righteous frog talking oh, to me about hey, life. Hey, he's going he's gonna to come up here in a minute. Who <laughs> this self-righteous frog? <laughs> No, that's uh, you know th- that's something like I I put in the show notes. There's a sideways comment that I think it was Avar or maybe it was I can't remember uh, made about how Yoda has his reasons for being at the beacon ceremony. You know he it seems like he just kind of leaves the council and comes back whenever he wants to because he can do that. Um, and I just I I think it's really fascinating that Yoda is getting the side eye from other Jedi at this particular moment. 
Um, I love it, and I feel like not enough of them in the prequel area. Area era did that. Also, I think at that point, like everyone was too, you know, too dug into the status quo. That was just like, yeah, whatever he says goes at this point. Yeah, it it's fascinating to see how how they're. Um, it's not a retcon, but it, it's interesting to see how they're how they're back backing some of this stuff, how they're padding some of this this prequel stuff to make that make a little bit more sense. I guess they're just giving everybody a bit more character. Um, when you thought you knew someone so well, I guess, and you know there might have been, you know, um, Alexander was talking about you know an argument that he and a best friend have been having, you know, over Peacekeeper versus Warrior. But like we could talk about Yoda's character all the live long day, but now we're getting more of his backstory that could flesh out some of those arguments a bit more. And I think that's really fascinating that we can do that. I must admit, is it me or is the only time Yoda makes actual good decisions is like the Clone Wars? That's an interesting, that's an interesting thing that could lead into the, what does he think he is? Is he more, uh, is he more warrior or peacekeeper? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And something that is, we may see as well uh, is that he may take that the title of Grandmaster in this High Republic era, and we may and we may then see some of the Jedi that we grow to love, the Avars and and the Elzar Mans are just like, ooh, ooh, is that the the best decision that they could have made? Like we may see a little bit of that um, with a younger generation looking at the older generation who perhaps has outdated views taking a position of power. Like we may see that real world concept now enter the jedi council and the and the jedi itself because it's definitely an okay boomer kind of vibe um <laughs> yeah and it, and and for those of you who have read like the high republic issue one like he turns up there too spoiler alert sorry but um like, yep. i'm not going to go into why but i just it's, he just feels that way he's like the old man of the group <laughs> <laughs> that's and, fair uh, and by then he, he is like 600 years old so he is the old man of the group <laughs> Why do you gotta talk about me like that? <laughs> yeah, you got you got him and uh, and Yariel Poof and Apo Rancisus that are holding down the old man line. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's just going to be really squad. interesting if he if he was to take the Grand Master position during this era to see the Jedi who are who are awoken to different ideas like the Elzar Mans and the Avar Chrises, like what they think mm. of an older style of thinking being the head of the the whole order. Cad Cad Ben throws you know throws an interesting thing here in the chat of you know maybe that's why Yoda was so reluctant to dwell on the lost twenty and Dooku Jedi lost because they many of these Jedi could have lost because of him like they could have left the order because of disagreements with how Yoda kind of viewed the Force and viewed his role and their role in it. Um, that's interesting. We may, like we may have to prepare ourselves for the fact that and. It can easily be done from everything that we've seen is that he may be the push for what they became. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we may just have to get ourselves ready for that. <laughs> yeah, Patrick. And it's one thing that made me think of with well, Adam's last thought was we see a lot of the masters now. They curve and bend the rules with a lot of things like attachment, feelings, stuff like that. They like they keep their they keep their emotions, their thoughts, their minds centered and in check. But they still engage more as a normal person, as like a normal humanoid with, um, you know, these thoughts, emotions and feelings. Like we have these moments of um, Elzar and Avar having their little um, soft, tender moments like, 
huh, I mind retiring to the lake with him? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we know what that implies. And it's such a, I wouldn't say a long time, but not the shortest time to where, you know, when Yoda takes over and it's very dogmatic, like no one shows any emotion, like you show the slightest of anything and it's like, oh, he's dark side, get him out. He's got to go. And it's, yeah, it's just interesting to see where this is going to go and how such a, almost a 180 change is going to be implemented here within a short period of time. Yeah, for sure. On Alexander's comment is like he he spoke about the hypothetical situation of like a conversation between Elzar Man and Yoda. Mm. So not only is like the coolest kid in the temple having visions, it's like everything that I think Yoda would just shake his head at. Yeah. Um, and then that person becomes Grandmaster, and then you lose a master like Elzar Man who has the ability to bring rain down. <laughs> On an entire area, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's just anything could happen in this in this High Republic publishing line. It just has me excited. Well, and there's there's something you know about the 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 idea of 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 being ignorant, I guess, in a sense. Um, not that you know ignorance is inherently a bad thing, but when you don't know something, you are told something. And then you still disregard that knowledge um, like that, that arrogance of Yoda is what is what leads him to not beating Palpatine at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Right. Like his arrogance and thinking that he was strong enough to do it um, when there are far more Jedi, probably that he's living with during this time that maybe could have taken on a Palpatine. Um, you know, he just I don't know. It, there's there's an interesting, I think, conversation to be had there. Great storm yeah. giving him the business. Yeah, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's like yeah. Like by the by the time that Yoda fought Palpatine, like most of the Jedi had fallen, right? But the Force was not willing to fully awaken in Yoda to fight Palpatine. It let him lose, and it probably it, it let him lose for a reason. It, it the Force awoke in Ray for a reason, and it stayed away from Yoda for a reason. I think. It's like a real deep conversation I think we can have about it. Yeah, for sure. I, I do want to mention one other kind of moral question in this. Um, and Juliana actually brought it up. So shout out to Juliana in our chat. Um, w- going into the craziness that we saw, the Nile, and how they just absolutely um, broke all of the rules of hyperspace in that final battle and just started jumping you know, in and out and blowing ships up and doing crazy stuff and fighting pretty doggedly. Um, we, we think inherently that is a bad thing to do, right? (laughs) Um, like, like what they did is evil and horrible, but she brings up, you know, this interesting kind of meta discussion of, uh, we have an issue with that, but we don't always have an issue with, you know, spoiler alert for Star Wars Rebels here, when Purgles show up out of space and, you know, just start ransacking Imperial ships and blowing everything up. And, um, you know, we don't have a problem with um, with when the good guys do things like that, I guess. Um, do you think that there's in- inherently a double standard there? Um and I don't know, or is it is it something that is perfectly fine because we know who the who the good guys are and who the bad guys are? Uh, Adam, do you want to speak to that first? Yeah, for sure. So I've 
I've worn a uniform before and I wore it for a decade and you like to think of yourself as the good guy, but it all depends on which side of the fence you sit on, right? Mm. So for me, there would have been people who thought, you know, us and US and all the other, we're the, we're evil. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so it's, then we, we can watch Star Wars and you watch the Purgle ripping these ships apart and part of you has to sit back and go, whew, alrighty. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's probably a bit harder to put into words because we know that they are inherently evil. There's an inherently evil organization that they work for. But from the stories that we've read, and I think Canon has done this wonderfully, is that they're still people, and yeah. many of them don't want to be there, and some of them are even forced to be there. And there's probably that example on those Star Destroyers of them getting killed. Yeah. So you're right, it is a really hard discussion to have. Um, it's so easy to just point at the good guy and point at the bad guy. And but Star Wars is like, nah, <laughs> that's not exactly how this is going to work anymore. Yeah, Patrick, you have anything you want to add in there? Yeah, no, I was just going along with with Adam said, like those folks and like the with the Empire. If it's a lot of those people, it gets it's just a job to them. It's like how some people view the military now. Um, it's a job. It's a way to pay for this. It's a way to get your degree. So it probably was, you know, an open opportunity to get off some sort of poverty planet or some sort of economic situation they were in and move up and advance and, you know, have some stability and some, some you know, economic comfort in their life. It wasn't, yeah, and, and, wasn't about the politics a lot of time. And, like, just think about it. Like, this, the tactic that the, the Nile shown, though inherently uh, a bit iffy, like, it is incredibly smart. Yeah. Because um, in the end, you're fighting a battle. Your one objective is to win that battle, and you will win that battle in any way that you can. And it's what's just the, what's the line of if the republic? If, yeah. If if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what if if the republic had this ability to use hyperspace in that manner, which inherently for them they would think about the idea of doing that, and that would bring their casualty list. But the casualties would just plummet. They'd be Jump here, shoot. Jump here, shoot. Well, um, and and like they figured if they it out. They have the ability. I can see them doing it. <laughs> yeah, and well, and they eventually figured it out, right? To where they could predict yeah. where where they were going to jump, yeah. and then they were just blowing them up once they showed up. So yeah, it's it's just like if they had that ability, they would do it, and they pr- probably be doing it from the idea of all right, if we do this, our casualties will be lower. Yet we're giving we're, we've got maximum offense, bringing them down. The battle is shorter, but like you can't tell me that if the Republic knew how to do it, they wouldn't. Like yeah. this is what it is. It's a new a new offensive tactic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you think of uh, Juliana mentions too. Um, uh, the you think of Admiral Holdo uh, in the Last Jedi, right? <laughs> she she decides I'm going to save the rest of my people, and I'm just going to run right through a massive star destroyer just yeah. because I can and because it's going to work and and that's just what needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just unfortunately how how military tech goes like it yeah. the first person to find know how to do something is the first person to use it doesn't really matter what side you're on. And we yeah. we see that in real world, atomic weapons, all of it. It's just whoever thinks of it first gets to use it. Yeah, and and we give ourselves, you know, our our 
our own p- permissions to believe and do the things that we want to do. Um, even, even within a, a certain sect, like, you know, not all Jedi believe that the order ought to do or stand for the things that, you know, one person has in mind, which is probably why people split. Um, and you know, one of my, um, religion professors, you know, in college was like, we give ourselves sometimes theological permission to believe the things that we want to, we can, we can read certain scriptures. We can read certain, you know, mantras, to, to fit in our wheelhouse, whatever we want to, that might not be great. It might not always work out, but, but, you know, we each have to bring our own baggage to our understanding of how we want to operate within this world. And and we will bend whatever rules we need to, to do the things that we want to do sometimes. And that's, um, that's a really interesting thing to talk about and that we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about within the order itself. Patrick. No, you're fine. And to just go back over, finish up what Timothy was saying, um, it's kind of why if you look on the Legends timeline, there's a lot of schisms. Did I say that right? Schisms? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like like a whole bunch of splintering off from the Order due to like these ideological differences about either they get too dogmatic and a lot of them are just out on the idea, or there's just no direction for the Order and they're out on that idea either. So it's, um, yeah, it's Concluding thought. Yeah. Back to you. Adam, you got something you want to add to close that conversation out? Yeah, just to close it out is that, you know, let's look back to Catalyst, uh, the Rogue One prequel, and that the Republic were had all these projects in mind, like military minded yeah. projects to and they were, you know, for the war and everything else, but they were there trying to think of new and inventive ways of winning a battle. And you you bring it into real world. We weren't the only ones trying to split the atom. We just did it first. Mm -hmm. Um, The Republic have shown that they're willing to do it. And like, great question from Juliana. Great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. We are here for it. (laughs) Give us, give us more things like this. Um, Really? I think we've hit every major thing um, in the, the plots and characters and kind of settings over the last couple of weeks there were some really cool connections that I wanted to make sure to mention that we found or the, you know, that I was going through and looking at um, the Jedi vessel, um, Ataraxia, which we saw um, is the same transport that is used to carry Dooku and Yoda and some of those Jedi there at the beginning of Dooku Jedi lost. So how cool is it um, that that ship basically has been in operation of the order for over 140 years? Um, I thought that was really neat. Um, and the fact that, you know, our boy, Kevin Scott, a friend of the show, got a, um, an interview dropping with him soon on the living force. Um, it's really cool that you can definitely tell that his input was in this. Um, I thought that was pretty yeah. neat. And I think the real heroes is the maintenance crew for keeping that thing going. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Shout out, Maybe shout out to maintenance and the mechanics. If you, if you see one in your neighborhood, give them a hug. <laughs> Would it, maybe well give him an air hug air, air hug with covid yeah air hug <laughs> maybe it's built like an old toyota that you know it just no matter if you sink it drown it beat it up just get the oil changed and the tires rotated you're good to yeah, go. yeah it you're is fun. the literal la- it, it is the literal land cruiser of that franchise it just won't die <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the when i read it i was like oh the uh 
man alive the the ataraxia is a, a is an 03 honda civic <laughs> like <laughs> you think it's beat up it's got holes in it but it is still running my god and like any the any one thing that came does to like 500 oh sorry mate the one thing that came to my mind was the for all you who watched top gear was the episode <laughs> where they tried to like see how they could destroy like an old Toyota Tacoma from like 1988 and they dropped it <laughs> off the building and then put it in the ocean in high tide and it's still turned on. I'm like, yep, that's what that is. Goodness they'll just, gracious. We'll yeah, just crash it yeah. into Mon Cal. It's like, oh, it'll still start up. It'll be fine. Just, just get the sea crayfishers out of the engine decks. <laughs> um, uh, another connection that that I found, um, Oppo Rancisis uh, mentions how the Jedi's predecessors won the Great Sith Wars, uh, which is really cool. Um, that was the conflict that was depicted in Tales of the Jedi and Legends. Uh, say Legends two more times, and Jared will show up. Legends, that's the third one. And just and just on that, Timothy, it's like this is not the first canon story to tease us with that. Yeah, and I'm getting sick of finding out. Like, you, I want to know what happened right now. Tell me. Stop teasing me with it. <laughs> well, and the, just give me some stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other part of that too is that Yariel uh, Poof also mentions times in the history of the of the Jedi where their numbers were reduced to only a handful um, of members, which obviously brings to mind the purges and the losses that the Jedi suffered in the Knights of the Old Republic games and in that particular era. And then Cronara uh, later alludes to historical conflicts between the Mandalorians and the Republic, um, which were also part of that time period. And that Kanan talks about um, in Star Wars Rebels, which the Ghost Crew actually just covered that uh, that episode of Star Wars Rebels. So shout out to the Ghost Crew on Patreon. Episodes dropping every News two weeks. Newsflash, Mandalore lost the Jedi with war. You, uh, I messed up the quote, my bad. <laughs> yep, but that was a fantastic quote, though. <laughs> I love Kanan in that. Yeah. What was it? Um, Newsflash. The Jedi won the war with Mandalore. Was that it? Something like that. But I, I thought I had it and I didn't. I'm sorry, everybody. Not yeah. really. But <laughs> You're good. You're good. Love me some Kanan Jarrus, <laughs> a.k.a. Caleb Doom. All for it. Um, a.k.a. Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Alexander. Yes, a.k.a. Freddie Prince Jr. Alexander says, also, Mandalorians being mentioned as, quote, not currently messing up the galaxy, end quote, or something. <laughs> Love it. Um, it's like armored toddlers. They're not terrorizing their room. <laughs> yep, they they actually behaved. You got some apple juice and a cookie, and they are fine. Um, I love yeah. the mention. You can watch one hollow video. Yes, and then straight to bed. <laughs> I loved uh, the mention towards the end. Uh, we got Vernestra Rowe and her new Padawan, Emery, um, are mentioned as being at the Starlight Dedication, um, which ties into A Test of Courage. And that connection on its own, I mean, if you read the book, then you already spoiled it a little bit uh, for A Test of Courage. Fantastic story. Please read that um, if you don't already have it. I know it's a middle grades book, but it does not read like like it's written for younger children. It is a phenomenal read. And can confirm that it is really good and yeah especially with venestra she has a particular tool that you might find quite yes interesting so awesome um and jora um also thinks about her padawan wreath silas um who she left behind and uh wreath is going to be heavily featured in into the dark which comes out this week um so like I, I love I love the connections that this gives us, not only to the past, um, not only to other canon books, not only to legends, but it also connects so well um, to everything that we're going to get. Um, 
and it's I don't know it's just it's phenomenal this is an incredible piece of work and Charles Soule and the whole team all of the luminous authors um, are absolutely just bonkers good at what they're doing um, like as we know like this is going to be like what a three phase approach to this era yeah so like, like three like, phases will get all different releases imagine if they all right we've done the high republic it's hugely successful we made all this money all right now let's do the old republic and some sith war in the same kind of way we get five authors together they sit with the story group and away we go oh magic. i would i would lose my mind um you know one of the the cool things that i've 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 in thinking about this whole phase system is like we're probably going to be getting high republic stories for at least at least the next three years probably four or five maybe more than that like just that thought of living in this time frame um it's just so cool to me when is the show acolytes supposed to come out because that's that's the latter part of the high republic and that's like two years from now yeah at least I don't, rings I don't know that they gave yeah. a date for it. I could be wrong, but um, if you Hold want to look on. it up and Time find to it. Google. Um, the last thing... Oh, the Acolyte. Yeah, the last thing while you're looking that up that I saw, it's not a huge thing, but I love the mention that the Starlight Temple, uh, the beacon, is said to be designed by renowned Jedi architect Paolo Hidala, um, which is um, obviously a reference to Pablo Hidalgo. And I love that with every fiber of my being that, you know, basically the head of the um, story group is is name dropped again. Um, and I know he's been referenced in a couple other places, but I thought that was really cool. Um, Patrick, do you find anything on a date? I, I do know that it, what, it is set like at the end of the high Republic. So hear me out. Hear me out. I got an idea. Let's go back to our three phrase old Republic Sith war. Yep. The end of the, sh- the, the, the show that they give us is Darth Bane ending it. Oh my Think God. That for a sec. Think about that. <laughs> that is that... the end of the old Republic phase is Darth Bane destroying the Sith. Good gosh. Um, they sing twenty twenty two. Okay, so possibly. So we could get something here in the next couple of years. Yeah, either way, I'm I'm really excited for for what that's going to shape up to be. Um, that's all I've got, guys. Uh, Patrick, you want to go through your favorite moment or favorite character from this, and uh, who you're most looking forward to seeing in the books to come? First of all. If your favorite character is not loading Great Storm, get out right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that man, that man's awesome. Yeah, like, like he's the cool uncle that everybody wants to hang out with. <laughs> yep. Uh, Alexander says that he is getting out because I'm assuming that his answer is not loading Great Storm. So also, yeah, who y'all in the chat? To let us know who's your favorite character. Go for it. Um, so yeah, he's leaving. <laughs> Also, is is not the best moment when he says, "I gotta throw that boy off something taller." Yeah, it's it was fun, um, and he definitely he definitely succeeded. Granted, he didn't tell him to. I guess he did kind of tell him to hop out of the vector to go save the girl, but um, yeah, that's that's hilarious. I love their relationship, and I'm I'm really hoping that. Knowing the current state of the end of the book and where he is and where Bell is, I'm really hoping we can get them back together uh, because that dynamic is one of the best that I feel like I've seen in Star Wars in a long time, even though it's been even though we didn't get a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, uh, Juliana says Avar is her favorite. 
Um, yeah, Cad Ben also says it's probably between Loden and Avar right now. Um, Elzar's fun. Adam, how about you? Who's your favorite character? Do you have a favorite moment from this book? So I was riding the Loden Greatstorm for this whole story. But for, like someone who snuck up was and became probably equal favorite with me is Elzar Man. And he, Elzar Man also had my favorite part of the book, which is right at the end when he had the vision. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. Things are real now. Yep. Um, so for me, that was my favorite moment. And as you said, Patrick, my second favorite moment was Loden commenting that he needs to throw that boy off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right. so question. Good. Yeah. Just everything Loden is in that one moment. Does anybody want to see that romance between Elzar and Avar? Dude, listen, especially after having read um Dark Disciple, I'm I'm mm. all I am all for a Jedi romance novel. Please. Please give it to me yesterday. I am Cue the here. song TLC creep. Yes, <laughs> and it could it could all you can still do the the, the major story like this. this think about that the, the cool kid now has visions, which means like he's on Yoda's radar, and eventually what it's like the love story spurns Elzar. He's like thinking about leaving because nobody believes him, and there's Ava, and it just writes itself. Also, as we spoke about last week, it's like we don't know how we feel until Claudia Gray tells us how we feel. Yep. <laughs> so if Claudia could write that story and give me some thoughts, I'd be, you know, mildly appreciative of that. <laughs> uh, Alexander is uh gonna send me over a ledge here, just in the in the feels. Um, you know, thinking about how how Elzar, you know, views the force as an ocean and he's literally drowning in her eyes. Uh, I can't stop it. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, just think about that. You know, she has the ability to connect with him in the Force. Oh. Uh, that's what they call it. Okay, that's what the kids are saying. <laughs> <to say. laughs> uh, this is a family. This is yeah, a family. from a from a quick pivot. <laughs> uh, my favorite character is still Beriaga Agaberi, and no one can tell me any differently. Um, I love Loden. I love Elzar Navar, but give me more Burry. I need it. Okay. Um, I need it now. It's gonna just going to point out to him that um he wouldn't appreciate you taking digs at me and patrick at the start of each show he's a nice he's a nice wookie and wouldn't appreciate your football harassment just gonna maybe say, you know you can't harass me from <laughs> below the table <laughs> well uh, fine um i'll i'll do better i'm sorry guys uh, for for burry i will i will try to be a better a better co-host a better friend uh, a better colleague um but i i will work on that next week because uh cuz yeah we'll we'll see but no i absolutely loved him uh patrick's making it steamy in this chat my god um love it well Fan yeah fiction. burry's my favorite and uh favorite moment um you know, it's it's great because I, I think of these questions and I can't answer them on uh, in a uh, quick fashion, I guess. I, I I loved the way that Bell was connecting, the way he finally understood what it was about being a Jedi that mattered, um, that it, it took him being near death, trying to save someone else to realize, oh, yeah, this isn't about me and it's never been about me. Um, and I think that's a really powerful thing and a really powerful moment for someone who's stepping into adulthood stepping into new responsibilities and even someone like me who um, 
you know, is past, I guess, what would be considered that particular stage of life in, in many ways. Um, I think that we always come back to that, you know, whether it's looking at a, a career shift or a new relationship or, um, you know, just trying to be the, the bigger person or, or, or whatever, um, you know, being able to set yourself aside um, and, and think about the other person, think about the other people in the room, the other people that are on the, the different side of the aisle from you of, of different belief systems than you of, um, just setting yourself aside for the betterment of the people immediately, you know, kind of around you, that cloud of witnesses around you, how can you make their lives a little bit better? Um, how can you, you know, save them in a way that, um, that just, keeps you out of it. Um, I, I love that moment. I think that's really powerful and a really cool reminder of, of what I think we all ought to do. Um, you know, this is a positive and, and loving community and, you know, we want star Wars to be great and we want it. Um, we want everybody to find their favorite thing and to, to sometimes set yourself aside to, to celebrate and to love something else with someone who thinks a little bit differently. I think that's really cool. And I think we do a good job of that here. So, um, and let's all be really that, Timothy, it's like, if you have YouTube, get on there and support the High Republic show after yes, everything that went down, yes. especially. Get on there, give that show some views, give that show some likes, and just, yeah, she deserves the world, so let's go watch that show and, and let her know how good it was in the comments. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Christina Ariel is absolutely killing it over there, um, and she she deserves it. She is, I, I follow her on Twitter, and to you know to see kind of who she is, um, you know, a loving mom and to just a diehard Star Wars fan, um, you know, definitely go and, and be a part of that. And and we got some really cool teases from that show, too, um, about what's to come and some of the stories and, and the processes of how all of this came together. Uh, so definitely worthwhile. And it, it's Star Wars. We love it so much. Let's stop finding things to hate about it. Um, and let's support the people that are involved. And thanks for throwing that link up. Um, definitely, definitely make sure, um, to go and watch it. It's like what, 15 minutes, something like that, or, or 25 minutes. I can't remember. Um, it's really, yeah, yeah, really 20, good. 25, but like, it's really fun. She does a yeah. great job. So, so fun. And her humor is hilarious and right up my alley as well. <laughs> um, that is it everybody. Uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in, for listening and participating in the Conja book club. Um, we're going to be back next week to talk through Heir to the Empire. Heck yes. Chapters 1 through 8. Um, in the meantime, you can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord at underscore tguthrie. Adam is at darkstarau. And Patrick's on Discord at mac11. Next week, we will be joined by the one and only Cheryl Bell. So make sure you come and you hang out for that. Um, and make sure to um, shoot us some messages. We want to get your thoughts on the air. Um, if you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Light of the Jedi, and click the Amazon link on the profile. Um, it'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content. You will find links to Light of the Jedi, February's book, Heir to the Empire, and March's book, Victory's Price, in the show notes and in the Start Here channel and Discord. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. And don't forget to join our Goodreads page. Um, there's a link to that pinned in the Conjure Book Club chat. Um, a special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to my friends, Adam and Patrick, for podcasting with me today. May the Force be with you, everyone. And remember, we are all the Republic. 